Today's scripture readings come from Job, chapter 1, verses 1, 8, 9, and 11, chapter 27, verses 3 and 4, chapter 42, verse 16, and James, chapter 5, verse 11. We are reading from the New International Version. Here is the word of the Lord. From Job. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. From James. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. We have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, praise, and glory be to God. Something is bothering you. Something is depressing you. Something is causing you pain. Something might be causing you not to forgive. Something might be holding you back. Now, close your eyes for a moment and breathe. Really breathe deep down from the bottom of your belly. That's where the Japanese say your key is in the belly. Just breathe in and out pregnant with your breath. Breathing in what is called in Hebrew ruh, or God's breath. God's breath is life. Job talks about the breath of God in his nostrils. Keep breathing until you have breathed God's breath with your breath. And breathing that breath, visualize it going into your head, visualize that breath going into your heart and visualize that breath going to all parts of the body, especially in areas that might feel you are holding stress or areas that might be in pain. Continue breathing. Breathe on me, breath of God, and fill me with life anew. Amen. Okay. You may open your eyes now. And just as you heard in the children's message from Pastor Akiko, 
God, Job had a hard time, but as long as God was with him, he was, he was okay. In Job 27, verses 3 to 4, it says, As long as I have life within me, the breath of God, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. In the book of Job, we can read how Job is having a very, very hard time. In English, we have an idiom for a person or situation where someone's having a lot of difficulty. We say, well, that person's having a devil of a time. Well, in Job's case, he's literally having a devil of a time. In 36 long chapters, Job has lost everything. His children, his home, his wealth, his cattle, his sheep, his servants, his social standing. And the devil is behind all that in the story. But just so you know, this is a spoiler alert, God is always, always stronger than the enemy and has authority over the enemy. But you don't need to be Job to know what it means to suffer. And many of us have experienced pain or even the ache of God's seeming silence. And real struggle hurts. It marks us in ways we don't always realize when it happens. Years and years can pass before we begin to comprehend the marks and scars of the experiences we've had in our lives. It can leave us wounded and different for the rest of our days. You or someone you know, or someone you know might have had, or someone you might care deeply or maybe they died, or maybe you had a job you didn't get, or perhaps a college you didn't get into, or maybe you've had to care for someone who is ill. There are many things that happen to us that can change the course of our lives. Perhaps you've had a dream deferred. As it says in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. The Japanese say, kokoro ga shindoi. So people can physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually become sick when things go bad. And people often change after a struggle. Sister Joan Chittister once said, struggle brings us to a point in life after which we'll become new people, sometimes worse, often better, but always different. We can't avoid struggle in our lives. Oftentimes it takes place deep down inside of us. No external enemy is nearly as demanding or as damaging, as destructive as the enemy within, the one of our own doing. It's our own list of pride, or greed, or jealousy, or anger, or PTSD, or addiction, or gluttony, or lack of forgiveness, or discouragement, or lack of self-worth, or anything that takes us down, and we spiral down. It is our innate compassion, and humility, and self-knowledge, and justice, and courage that causes us to become our better selves. It's not easy, but God is with us. Now, can we say with the Apostle Paul, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. Well, can we always be content in every situation? Can we actually say, for example, well, I know how to endure years of chronic pain or illness. Well, I know how to face financial disaster. Um, I know how to continue to stay in a situation where I'm abused. Or I know how to feel betrayed and continue on. I know how to give up my whole life stream to care for someone. I know how to grieve over the death of a loved one. Can we actually say that? Sometimes we may have heard people speak of endurance or patience or persistence or perseverance of Job. There are different translations used when describing what Job went through, depending on which Bible translation you use. Patience, persistence, endurance, perseverance. The word persevered is used for Job and found in the reading we had today for James. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Though James may see it this way, does, Job doesn't at first quite see it this way. His first reaction is to say, well, I wished I've never been born, and then to call out to the heavens for a one-to-one confrontation with God. And it's okay. It's okay to cry out to God. God can take it. And if you look at the Psalms, you see that many of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, where they are crying out to God, pouring out your heart to God. But in the midst of Job's crisis, he has some friends, some comforters who come and talk with him. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are their names. And they want to share with Job bits of their counsel and bits of their wisdom. Although we learn that they bring him precious little comfort. So they preach to Job for a very long time, for most of 36 chapters. And they have plenty to say, but their counsel just does not help Job. And it says in scripture that he calls them miserable comforters. And he spends almost the whole book arguing with them. Now, have there been times in your life where you've had a crisis and your friends, or perhaps even the church, has not responded in a way that you found helpful? Well, I can think of times when I wish my friends had just sat with me rather than try to offer me advice on what I should be doing. And of course, it depends on the situation, and it also depends on the friends, and it depends on who's giving the advice as well. But oftentimes, it is just a listening presence that is needed. Anyway, at the end of the book of Job, the Lord doesn't think Job's buddies did a very good job of comforting Job. And we read in scripture, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. 
In spite of his not-so-helpful friends and their words, Job's somehow able to continue to trust in God. He says he will not deny his integrity, and his conscience is clear. Throughout the book of Job, Job continues to ask God for justice because he knew his heart was right and his conscience clear. And finally, towards the end of the book of Job, he speaks, Job falls down on his face in reverence, and he humbles himself before God. Job was faithful to God, even though he didn't understand God. Job does not succumb to self-blame, guilt, or pious explanations. And he rejected the religious arguments that he was hearing from his friends, such as, well, you must have deserved this. You, you Job, you're being punished for your sins. Job, this was all God's will. Perhaps some of you have heard this before. This was all God's will, your suffering included. Now, if you really had faith, then you shouldn't grieve. You just need more faith. If you had more faith, this wouldn't have happened. How does that make someone feel when they're struggling to hear these words? Even if they're said in love, sometimes they're just not helpful at the time. Others cannot always understand the depth of our sorrows or always speak the right words in the right tone or discern our ever-changing needs. But there is one who is promised, as we hear in Scripture in Matthew 28, I am with you always. I am with you always. God never leaves us. Job held on to his sense of righteousness and his right to feeling his feelings, to grieve, to suffer, to be angry at the injustice. And we have a right to our feelings. And do not let others say you don't. God can take our cries of anger, pain, and frustration. And God will listen, just as God was listening to Job the whole time. Finally, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. This is in Job 38, verse 2. Job answered Job out of the whirlwind. So God comes to us in various ways and in the most unexpected ways. Perhaps in a burning bush, like God did for Moses, or in the wind, or in the storm, or even in a whisper. 1 Kings 19, 11 says, in a still, small voice. So God has heard all of Job's questions and heard the answers provided by Job's friends, but then the Lord asks many questions for four long chapters. God is asking a bunch of rhetorical questions to Job to show Job that God is God, and Job is just a man, and that God can do all things. Now remember that God's ways may not be our ways, so be prepared that God may not answer in the ways that you expect. Another point I'd like to make is that God may have plans for us and want what is good or best for us, but we, being human, being given free choice, we often mess up those plans. Or perhaps unexpected circumstances come along and mess them up. But God can use these difficulties to God's glory if we can live through them knowing God is still there. 
And I pray while you're going through these difficulties that you do have a caring community to help support you through the times we are in need and when we cannot just struggle on our own. No one really wants to suffer or will be happy about suffering, but God can help us to use the suffering we face as fuel for our journey. And God can send people to us to help us. People who've gone through suffering can be healers. We can be healers to others. In the book, The Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen writes, our service will not be perceived as authentic unless it comes from a heart wounded by the suffering about which we speak. So often the most effective healer is the one that is not only wounded, but is able to realize and practice out of a space where the wound itself is used in ministry, in healing towards um, others. And perhaps Job went on to help others, others who had suffered like him. And perhaps he could be a helper and healers, and healer to others who needed help. We don't know the rest of the story. But hopefully we can take the pain of suffering we've gone through to help others in similar experiences. And hopefully we can help other broken people out of our own brokenness once we have been healed. We don't do this alone, but through our community and, of course, through prayer and knowing that God will never leave us. We are not alone. Disasters and expected things happen and in our world. We can't prevent them. COVID was certainly unexpected. We'll suffer, but as I said, we have free will and we make our own choices. And sometimes we have to pivot and God will show us another way. We might have to go to plan B or C or D or plan Z. God might be disappointed we didn't follow along in plan A, but God will be with us even if we fail and we have to pivot and maybe because of circumstances we have to go another direction. God will be with us. God never leaves us. And the Holy Spirit continues to guide us. As we pray, we ask for God to guide us to the path that we should be taking. And if you can't pray, you invite the community of faith to pray with you. God is and will always be there to catch us, to hold us, and show us the way. In Romans 8, 28, we learn, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There are people who are going through hard times in our church and community, people who are struggling. So let's support and help them. Let's help one another. It says also in Scripture, in Romans 15, I urge you, but our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggles by praying to God for me. So God uses our life experiences, and God can use them to God's glory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we hear these words. Praise be to God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Jesus has seen every kind of sorrow, heard every cry of grief, and knows every type of pain. When we search for someone, anyone, to know what it means to walk in our shoes, Jesus emerges as the preeminent and truest companion to our afflictions. 
This is what Pastor Zach Iswin has said. And in Isaiah, Isaiah, we hear, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. This is about Jesus. Jesus Christ endured lonely grief and agony for us. The cross of Christ is the fulfillment of the struggles of Job. Job's story ends in the 42nd chapter, but our story continues. Our story continues with God's Holy Spirit guiding us. Like Job, we are called to hope, we are called to trust, and we are called to pray. The Holy Spirit will always show us how we can be a community that deals creatively with struggles. In our lives, we continue to remember that God, who breathed, God who breathed life into us, is a God, a God who will never, ever leave us. So let's just take a moment to breathe again. Breathe in, breathe out. And when Jesus breathes life into our lowly bodies and raises us up in glory, we can be sure it'll be the end to everything else that's broken. Now, in closing, I'd like to have Pastor Kelly Graft, um, Pastor Chuck's widow, who's in California, share now through a, a video of her testimony of some of the struggles she's gone through since the death of Chuck. But prayer and community have helped her, and God's given her purpose in her life. We all need to feel a sense of purpose given to us by God in spite of our struggles in life. If you recall, Pastor Chuck passed away June 28th. So here we hear Pastor Kelly. Hi, friends and family at Covenian Church. It's Kelly Graft coming to you from Temecula, California. And here's my buddy Bruce, still with me, my buddy. I'm no longer in Long Beach, as you can see. Lots of things have changed in the past year since Chuck passed. I've longed to come back to Japan and visit you all, but COVID and life circumstances have prevented me from coming. Seems like ages ago that Chuck and I were there with you in Japan. And I'd like to share some of the twists and turns, trials and triumphs that God has taken me through during this time. I love the message that Pastor Claudia gave about Job. I can relate a lot to it, although not quite as traumatic. But I too feel like I was stripped of everything that was familiar and comfortable to me within a very short period of time. Some of you know that Chuck was diagnosed with an aggressive form of prostate cancer back in 2012. At that time, he was only given about one to four years to live. Um, he made it through seven, as if nothing was wrong with him. He was told that he would need surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, everything. And then he was still not guaranteed that He and we as a family chose to go the healing route because of our ministry and all the miracles that we had seen in our lives up to that point. We really felt led to trust God and it was amazing. He'd go back for tests every couple months and they'd just test his bones and the cancer never spread and never went outside the prostate and they were always amazed about that. We continued to go back and forth to Japan, run our business and uh, take care of things and check in with the church. We started our business, if 
not all of you know, back in the mid 80s, and uh, we began working closely with Cobainian Church. Our lives were blessed. Chuck and I had four daughters, and they all married wonderful men, and he always provided amazing places for us to live. He provided all of our needs, and we really had a, a great life. We traveled a lot. When we left Japan in 2020, um, we were fully intending on coming straight back and pick up where we left off. We were working closely with FBC to, um, to wind things down and focusing on ministry. Chuck absolutely loved KUC and ministering to all there. He really thrived on that. Unfortunately, not long after returning to the States, his health took a turn for the worst and so did FBC. We began closing down the business in late 2020, and by May of 2021, the cancer had spread all over his body and into his bones. He lost the use of his legs, and FBC was officially done by May of that year. It was gut-wrenching to watch my best friend and soulmate lose everything. The prayers and support of all of our Christian friends and family were literally my lifeline through all of that. People came to the hospital to pray. We prayed on Zoom and FaceTime. And people just encouraged us in so many ways. On June 28th, I stood by as my best friend took his last breath. And suddenly, in an instant, my life as I had known it was over. Weirdly though, I felt a tremendous peace come over me the minute his soul left his body. And I knew at that moment for sure it was the Holy Spirit. I couldn't have felt that kind of peace if it weren't for the Holy Spirit. That peace carried me through those first weeks and even months as I sorted through all the details of rearranging my life alone without my best friend. But then as time went on, I started to feel empty inside and without purpose. We had had so many plans for our future and now I felt like I had no future. How could I ever minister without Chuck? After all, we were always known as Chuck and Kelly. I was Kelly, Chuck and Kelly. That's even how he'd introduce me. He was the charismatic one. He was the outgoing extrovert and I was the supporter, an introvert. What could I do without him? And in my despair, I really started to isolate myself. And I didn't deal with my grief in healthy ways. I was going down a lonely path. And when I finally reached out and asked for help, I was so relieved. And God is such a gentleman. He never forces anything on us. But when we reach out, he's right there. He's so ready to help us and turn things around. In June of 2022, the husband of my youngest daughter, Maddie, got offered a job in Temecula. And Kristen and her family were already here. They asked me to move with them, and I was very happy to do that. Miraculously, we found a house just down the street from them and soon I started counseling to deal with my grief and the not so healthy ways that I was dealing with what was going on. 
and I found a wonderful community of Christians here to fellowship with. Now I'm in training myself to become a counselor, and I can see how God is taking what was meant for my destruction and using it now to help others. Chuck and I always lived by the Bible verse that Pastor Claudia mentioned in her sermon, Romans 8:28. Our short version of it is better than before. I still miss Chuck every single day, but I don't live in the dark anymore. And I don't think I have no future. My future is actually very bright. I have my four daughters and their husbands and six wonderful grandchildren, and they're all around me. We all go through tough stuff in life. And Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And in Romans 8, 28, as Pastor Claudia mentioned, he promises that he will work all things out for good. Not just some things, but all things. So we take heart when we're going through struggles. Don't blame God if bad things are happening. He's there to help. Reach out to someone and don't isolate yourself. And always pray for each other. You have no idea how powerful your prayers are. I hope to see you soon. God bless you all.